Welcome to episode 79 of the Farm Exec podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, senior editor of Farm Exec magazine and your podcast host. Farm Exec magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. On this week's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Uche Lege, Vice President Medical Affairs, Mertamedinib at Springworks Therapeutics. As a result of the pandemic, Uche became stranded in Nigeria for five months and is here to share the valuable leadership lessons he learned from that experience. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll be right back with Uche. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at truesterumntwk.com. Hello, podcasters. Today, I'll be interviewing Uche Ileje, Vice President, Medical Affairs, Murdamedinib at Springworks Therapeutics. Uche is here to talk about how he had to unexpectedly work remotely from Nigeria during the first few months of the pandemic and how he and his company dealt with that. Thanks for joining us today, Uche. Thank you very much, Elaine. I appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation with you and share my experiences. So you're a Nigerian-born and raised ICU physician. How did you become involved in pharma? It's a fairly long story, Elaine, and I'm going to try and make it really brief. But as you mentioned, I graduated medical school from the College of Medicine, University of Nigeria in 1987. After medical school, I decided to come to the United States for my residency program. I arrived in New York. can never forget that date, May 9th, 1990. Uh, a very important date in my life because I started the next chapter of my life. My initial entree into the medical specialties in the U.S. was through a residency program at Meharry Medical College, which is a historically Black college in Nashville. After my first year of internship, I transferred to the University of Connecticut, completed my residency there, and I trained in intensive care at Pittsburgh at UPMC. The reason why I tell this story is the events that occurred at Pittsburgh actually triggered, and I didn't know then, but triggered the events that led to my joining industry. As a fellow, my father who was in Nigeria took ill. He was diagnosed with aortic stenosis while I was a fellow in Pittsburgh in 1996, and he was recommended open heart surgery in Nigeria. And that thought scared the heck out of me because knowing fully well, that post-operative care for such a complex surgery was not very good in Nigeria. I was very concerned for his well-being. So I walked to bring him to the U.S. and he got his care at the Cleveland Clinic. Now, the story gets interesting because he was actually misdiagnosed in Nigeria. He did not have aortic stenosis and did not need heart surgery. So thank God I brought him over. All he had was uncontrolled hypertension with thickening of his heart that impeded blood flow out of his heart into the aorta. So he just needed good blood pressure management. However, that experience led to my incurring a large amount of debt 
which I couldn't pay on a fellow salary. And obviously he was not insured. My plan had been to move on to Baylor College of Medicine to do a second fellowship in pulmonary medicine, but I had to shelve that plan and figure out a way to pay off the debt I owed, which led me back to Connecticut to a job as an ER physician at St. Francis Hospital and through the help of one of my mentors, Dr. Schneiderman, uh, as a primary care physician at Hebrew Healthcare. That allowed me to pay off my debt. However, during that period, I had lost the fellowship at Baylor and I had to rethink my career. I had a cousin who currently is at Osuka but was at Merck at that point. And she also was a Nigerian trained physician and I kind of look up to her uh, when it comes to career choices. She spoke very glowingly about her experience at Merck but gave me a very important advice and that was, as an Adrian trained physician, we don't typically get trained to do research. We are trained as primary care providers. And she felt that her entree into the industry was really hampered by not having proper research training. So she advised me to go back to school, which I did. I went to Yale and I got a master's degree in epidemiology. While I was at Yale, I was working as a physician through Yale practices, and they had an affiliation with BMS in Wallingford, Bristol Myers Cribb in Wallingford. So I actually gave care to BMS employees through the Employee Health Clinic. Over the course of my two years, I was interviewing everybody that cared to talk to me, trying to understand what their experiences were working in industry. And I was struck by just how accomplished and how fulfilled most people were. So that for me was the clincher and decided for me that I could actually be successful as an industry physician. And I joined BMS in 2001, I think it was, into the epidemiology function at BMS. So that's how I came into industry. Tell me a little bit about what attracted you to Springworks. So the Springworks is, um, it, it's a great opportunity for me, and, but it wasn't an opportunity I went out to look for. One of my prior bosses from a previous company, who is a current CMO at Springworks, actually reached out to me and spoke to me about Springworks. I had a great amount of admiration for him as a leader. I enjoyed working with him. And I do remember promising him that if he ever had a job for me, I'd listen. So he called me out on that. He then introduced me to Sakib, who's a CEO who I had previously met. And in you know, spending some time with Sakib, I saw the vision that I was trying to build and create. I was very interested in it. And two things really resonated with me. Number one was the rare disease oncology focus of the company. I have done a lot of things in my industry career, but I'd never really worked in oncology. I had done rare diseases previously, but not oncology. And bringing those two together was quite interesting to me. The second was an opportunity to take something that was brand spanking new and build that out over time. Um, I don't know how many people have an opportunity to do that in their career, but you know, I'd always joined companies that were fairly established. Springworks for me was just um, an attractive option to try to build something from the ground up. And from my point of view, it's been a very enjoyable ride ever since. So the pandemic has not been easy for anyone, but at the beginning of the pandemic, you found yourself stranded in Nigeria for five months. Could you describe that experience? That is correct, Elaine. You know, I was reflecting on the story of the pandemic and I did not make this connection initially, but I left the U.S. on March 10th to go back to Nigeria because I had lost my father on February 22nd, 2020. So I was going back home to Nigeria for his burial and funeral rites. 
I landed in Lagos, Nigeria on March 11th. And that was the date that the WHO declared the outbreak a pandemic. I knew right away that, you know, my life and my plans for going back will be somehow impacted. And I wasn't sure how, but that was clear to me that things were going to be different. Now, you know, I spent the first couple of weeks just focused on the burial and we got through that as a family. It wasn't easy, but we got through it. Uh, even the process of putting my father to rest was impacted by the pandemic because once the pandemic was declared, Nigeria went back to a playbook that had worked very successfully for them during the West African Ebola virus outbreak. Uh, some may recall that Nigeria is you know, one of the largest, actually it is the largest concentration of people in terms of population in the sub-Saharan uh, region. They only had eight deaths during the Ebola outbreak. And they were able to achieve that by completely shutting down travel within the country. They went to that same playbook. So travel was shut down completely. There was no interstate travel. There was no international travel. And gatherings were severely restricted. So that experience was quite traumatic for me. My family was back here in the US, uh, my wife and three kids. Uh, the kids were home and she had to manage all that alone. I wasn't there to help. I had you know, a grieving mother at home to also care for. And I had work to think about. So very difficult. And I tried to figure out a way to get out of the country at the earliest opportunity. Unfortunately, the United States government was evacuating nationals, but it had to be in the two big cities, Lagos or Abuja, to get on the evacuation flights. Well, I was in a small town in the southeast of the country, and there was no interstate travel. So I was unable to take advantage of the evacuation flight until the interstate travel ban was eased a few months later, ultimately resulting in my being able to leave the country five months after I got in the country. So it was you know, basically five months of absolute uncertainty and uh, unspeakable stress. How did your company's leadership and culture make that incident manageable? One of the things about Springworks that I find very attractive today is, you know, as a small growing company, uh, the company actually focused on trying to develop very important cultural attributes and core values. And I'm going to speak about two of them because they actually came live for me during this experience. One of our core values at a company is to care hard and the other is in it together. You know, when we evolved the culture of caring hard, it was all about primarily caring for the patients that we were working to help uh, to bring, you know, brand new therapies to those patients. But through my experience, it was very clear to me that caring hard was also about caring for each other. And, you know, I'd like to share an anecdote. When I first spoke to a CEO, Sake, about uh, my father's, you know, death, after the initial commiseration, his very first question to me took me by surprise. He literally asked me what the cultural expectations were of me and how could the company help make sure that I met those obligations? That was a question I did not expect at all. Uh, it's a very small company, but here's my CEO thinking about what my culture required of me to put my father to rest. So I think that was just a reflection of the attitude of a company from my CEO down to my direct boss, the CMO. They were very flexible in arranging for me to be able to work from home, home meaning Nigeria in this case, five to eight time zones away, five time zones away if you're on the East Coast, eight time zones away if you're on the West Coast. And I managed a team of field-based medical science liaisons who were 
spread across the entire country. And every single person was flexible in scheduling meetings in a manner that would not allow me to actually be spending too many hours deep into the night working. So I would say very accommodating uh, and the cultures of caring hard and being in it together actually came to life. You know, in my view, it's clear that I'm fortunate to be part of a company that not only has great values, but truly lives out those values. And how did you and your team manage to stay productive during these challenging times? It wasn't easy in the beginning because there was so much uncertainty. Uh, we had to adjust to the fact that the country was basically shutting down. My team was unable to get appointments uh, to go into hospitals because hospitals were not allowing visitors. Everybody was trying to figure this out at the same time. So we had to had, you know, have a conversation around how we're going to refocus ourselves. It all boiled down to three core things that we did, I think, fairly well. One was frequent communication. Uh, we spoke to each other as often as needed uh, in the beginning, you know, daily. And over time, that became less frequent. We also had to set very clear goals, right? What was important and what we could set aside. But the third thing I think is very important to speak about is everybody on the team went the extra mile. Uh, nobody thought about, you know, here's my swim lane or there's your swim lane. It was all about how could we get through this together as one team. So the frequent communication, the clarity of goals, and the going the extra mile attitude, I think, helped us get through this. What are some of the silver linings you took away from this experience, you know, both professionally and personally? You know, that's a great question. I reflected on this quite a bit. And for me, it boils down to three things that I probably knew and most people know. But going through this experience, it became quite crystal clear how important those were. And I think the first one was, you know, never to underestimate the impact of empathy and compassion in the workplace. Um, you know, we all come to work. We probably have a very clear focus on what we want to accomplish. But reaching out to the folks that we work with, showing empathy, showing compassion, understanding that folks come to work uh, as human beings who have other priorities in life, I think that really goes a long way. Um, the second is really taking the opportunity to when they present themselves to rededicate yourself to professional growth. You know, within my team, we spent a lot of time in the early days of the pandemic, really focusing on sharpening our skills. We set up webinars with experts outside the company to help us improve on our own individual scale so we can actually do our jobs better when the company was able to go out and, and meet with doctors again. But the third silver lining is we're all very remote, but because of the focus on connectivity and frequent communication and using video conferencing platforms, we actually grew closer as a result of being remote. Somewhat ironic, but I do believe that this period brought us together more closely because of a strong sense and the focus on frequent communication. Uche, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been really interesting learning about your pandemic experience and how you and your company dealt with it so successfully. No, Elaine, it's been, it's been very enjoyable. Uh, you know, my experience does not even compare to the experiences of other people who've gone through this. I haven't lost anybody directly as a result of the pandemic. I know folks who have, but sharing my experience, I hope, you know, will be interesting for some folks to listen to. So thank you for having me. What if you had limitless access to customer insights? 
accelerated timelines, and set fees. At TrueSterum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. TrueSterum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at TrueSterumNTWK.com. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs. Hi, I'm Uche Ileje, Vice President, Medical Affairs, Murder Nibas Springworks Therapeutics. And my leadership tip is this. I will first paraphrase Maya Angelou, that is people will forget sometimes what you said or what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So my tip is very simple. Take an interest and be present in the lives of those you work with. You'd be surprised how far that can go. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of FarmExec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director Lisa Henderson at lhenderson at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mjhlifesciences.com. 